Alright. Three, two, pero. Ok, una, dos y tres. <risa> tres, Three, dos, two, uno. One. Okay, so there we go. We're, we're back at it again. Yeah. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever you are. Welcome to the Ramadan Podcast. Welcome back. It only took us, I guess, a, almost Another a pandemic <laughs> and a pandemic, you know, to, to get us to do this. Right. Um, yeah. And, man, do you even remember how to do this, this thing properly? Talk? You mean talk? talking? You don't remember how to talk? <laughs> uh, Have you been that isolated? You don't remember how to talk anymore? No, to be honest, I had a very weird corona experience where I wasn't isolated that much because I'm a chef. So we, we, um, I think two days after they locked us down, we kind of relaunched as a sort of a takeaway delivery kind of business. So for the last three months of corona i was pretty much seeing working like five six days a week and then wow. seeing adults every day so i was able to actually get out of the house which is great because i live with three other people which is a bit of a blessing um so i didn't have this whole sort of thing that people have been raving about you know i couldn't be out and i didn't see anybody um but i think that was your experience with it right you, you were working from home Yeah, I mean, obviously, I got affected by, um, you know, the lockdown because we were uh, made to work out inside. I mean, home office and all that stuff. Um, but I mean, in Norway, it's been pretty okay. We were allowed to go out for walks and, you know, to meet people in a, at a safe distance and so on. And I actually think that overall, for me, it hasn't been that much of a big deal. I've had conversations with other friends here and they were like, you know, like they were so excited about all this online stuff and like seeing their friends online and see their family online. And for me that I've been abroad for all these years, it's like, well, that's my life normally. <laughs> so yeah, the only thing, the only thing that I've noticed is that my friends in other countries had more time to talk to me basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah. so I don't know if people know that you moved to Norway Do you want to like tell them a little bit about it, or did did we actually talk about this? I don't know. Well, I think we talked about this, but this hasn't been posted, so I guess I can do a little recap for anyone. Do a little recap of why why the hell right. are you in Norway? Yeah, well, because apparently I wasn't north enough, so I need I need to keep going north. Um, well, so I moved to Norway about ten months ago, um, as probably whoever is listening to you this podcast knows um, I used to live in Amsterdam with Adrian um, and then I got a really nice job opportunity here in Norway to do a PhD in psycholinguistics which is obviously my topic um, and so yeah I left everything once again and moved to Norway um, and I've been here ever since pandemic included <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and it's been quite a ride but it's been overall a very positive experience That's good to hear. Yeah. How's this? Therefore, that's that's why we haven't been 
recording that much. Yeah, I mean, I also moved to like a different place, started a new job. Um, I don't know. I guess we just got busy, guys. And kind of that's it. And all the things took a bit of priority. And since we always thought about this kind of project as a bit of a... Uh, just testing grounds, and f- at least for me, it was always because Elizabeth is such a headache to discuss things with, uh, which helps <laughs> you, helps you like really, like is the best person to like talk things over. Because if she's got a point, she's gonna like hammer it down until until either you see part of it or that or, oh well, we don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we've got got into that part yet, but uh, she's great to converse. So that's kind of why we. I wanted to do the podcast because it was a great way to to really advance any skills in conversation. And honestly, it's always been such a nice thing to like riff off with you. So I've been missing missing out on the podcast actually quite a bit. Yeah, we always have very interesting conversations. That apparently, like, I've got like a couple of comments from people, and it's like we ramble one topic to the next without any sort of like. Like no relation. I was like, it's in the name. Sorry, <laughs> it's gonna be part of it. You can't help it. Um, yeah. So how's how's summer been going on in Norway over there? Um, I mean, we've been pretty much. Um, we we are having a summer. I mean, not today. It's uh, you know stormy and rainy, but I guess that's part of the summer too. But no, it's been really amazing. I mean, everyone I tell that the weather is better here than in the Netherlands <laughs> they laugh at me but it actually is like it's been really warm for the most part um, so yeah and I mean also has the fjord and has rivers and lakes and all that stuff so there is literally a hundred places you can go to swim uh, within the day so um, yeah I've been swimming a lot uh, trying to get away from this heat you're um, tanned, which is like I haven't seen you tanned in quite some time. <laughs> to think I've, I've always met you like being quite, quite sort of like a very porcelain, like pale complexion. Not this sort yeah, of that's, like that's what the Netherlands did to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh man, that is so true. It's so weird to to actually. Get, I'm getting a little bit tanned as well, and it's and it's nice to see back my natural color. But like four years of Netherlands will definitely do this to you. Yeah, I, I'm definitely feeling a bit more like myself now. <laughs> um, but yeah, also in the summer, a very lovely place. But um, yeah, how is it so far in Amsterdam? It's been good. Um, it's been really, really funny because we had like uh, five months of winter that was actually quite somewhat miserable. And then Corona hit. And then it was like sunshine everywhere. And everybody was just like, you cannot fucking believe it. Um, Isn't good. Like, summer here is fantastic. Despite it, despite that the country cannot hold 30 degrees of heat for more than a single day. And then it just comes back to being stormy and sort of rainy. But it's part of the deal, I guess. But You have to pay for it. Yeah, one way or another. And um, yeah, things are good, to be honest. It's Everybody's kind of like signing their life. I think that there's not much. I don't know. It's really weird how people have acted here. They've acted with a little bit of independence in terms of like all the rules and stuff like that, which is part to do with like kind of Dutch 
way of life and kind of how they take things, which is somewhat fair enough. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think they've done just as bad or just as good as many other countries percentage-wise of people who got affected. Um, but Amsterdam particularly, because it got it hit the south in, in our country much more because of more more or less because of Belgian people um, moving into the border and then it got extended but then in Amsterdam we didn't really see much going on so yeah I don't know life goes on I suppose I guess so yeah I'm sure that people are kind of sick of corona now so yeah let's um, let's move topic we can dive into the topic of today and I think you had uh, some things in mind that you wanted to discuss yes Uh, thanks for rescuing us uh, for the from the corona talk so yeah I I went to I sent you a text yesterday about um, when you're saying like if we had a topic or not uh, that um, I was having a discussion this with another friend and I was like, I bet you Elizabeth has a fucking good stance upon this because I think it's just interesting to see your side of things. Mm-hmm. And so the topic is, um, well, how do men argue in a conflict and how does that work? And then now that everything's kind of mixed up, then how do you argue uh and compromise with a, a woman that you're working with or the opposite way as well. So I think it would be kind of cool to, for me to, you know, in general terms, and obviously disclaimers, because at the end it's just our own opinions, um, how men argue and, like, what I can give you in terms of that information. And I think it would be really interesting to see how you feel like women have a conflict and how they resolve that. And then I don't know, trying to bridge the gap about like, well, what's the, like, what's the appropriate way to do it? Like, and I think we'll end up talking more in, in general terms and, and somewhat of the extreme parts where like for men, at least from my side is like, you know, having like a fist fight or something like that. But like um, this conversation just arranged because like somebody had a conflict of ideas with somebody else and they never were able to really resolve in a very, in, in a sort of, um, it was very muddy for them to resolve the issue. And it became, it exceeded basically, um, the consequences of, of, of that argument kind of exceeded what initially was. Like it escalated so much because none of them were able to know how to resolve it. Uh, and then he was telling me about this and then we had a bit of conversation, but it was two guys talking about this. So I, was, I wanted to, to bring it to you because then it's like, yeah, I can I can bring in my the guy's side and you can bring in the girl's side and sort of see where it goes. Mm-hmm. But so I guess I mean your question is that this uh, couple friends who were both men, right? No, like no, the co- oh. the couple friends is like it was a is a is a, a colleague between a man and a woman, and they had a uh-huh. conflict. And okay. they were having difficulty to resolve it. Whether it was like a well, my friend was or... ranting about it, right? And and so mm-hmm. I told him a little bit of of kind of like the thing that I know about, like how do men can argue? And then, but it's a bit of a question for us, like how do you guys resolve conflicts between you guys? And then now that co-working is so, you know, you have men and, and women working either side of what is traditional, either male or female, like industry, and then. I think this is a problem that probably a lot of people have of like, I have a problem with this coworker, but I cannot escalate in the same way. 
So maybe I start from the guy side and you can take it to the girl side and then... I mean, I, I, I guess before we get into that, I wonder why you think this is a male-female issue. I don't. Like, why do you... I've, I have okay. no idea. Like, I just, I just know my sort of things of how if I have an argument with a guy, I know where to go. And I know how it escalates. But I don't know how to but, do that with a woman. Don't you think it also depends on the topic? Like, what were the what were they discussing about? Um, I don't think it happens too much in the topic. Like, I, I, what I'm talking about is not so much as a like you guys have a dis- you two people have a dispute and it kind of ends in this sort of like mid arrangement. This was like what happens when it starts escalating, where it becomes really like okay. a really big problem. Because otherwise, it's just like. Well, we agree to disagree, and then you both move in. But if you have to keep going up, then how does it work? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, should I start with, with the guy side? Yeah, just give okay. your... So the rant is thoughts. is that we... I don't know, like, I think when you're talking to... When you're talking to, to another guy, um, there is always this inherent like risk that it becomes physical and if i have a conflict of idea with the other person then there is an escalation but both of us know where that leads and the reason that ends in physical it could end in physical then it actually keeps things in some way civil because realistically none of us wants to go there but the danger is this which means that you kind of keep it on the low key, keep it civilized so that you're able to exchange the ideas and try to have a res- re- something resolved. And I think as a man, like it really, really resonates in terms of like, you really do have that unconsciously and sometimes you can have it consciously, right? So you'll have like a bit of a tussle and you might go names or whatever and then slowly escalates. But if, it, if the conflict keeps going up, then it does and in physicality and it's a straight up like like course and i think what my colleague was having trouble with my colleague my my friend was having uh, trouble with it with her his colleague was that this was happening where he was having to confront this other person and she was also having to confront him about this problem and they were escalating they were escalating because they couldn't they need to resolve it and they're both thinking each of them was right or whatever, right? Um, and I think the real problem is that for the guys, I like I don't think I would know exactly if it goes into the, that extreme. I cannot result. I cannot use physicality. It's kind of like it's kind of uh, that option or that sort of escalation is completely, um, you know should be basically let's just say that like it's not cross basically if i'm having this argument with a woman like it just it doesn't go it it, it doesn't it's naturally violence yeah exactly right it, it escalates to such a point that it's not it 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 evolves from the confrontation of whatever topic it was into like something that's completely different whereas if it will be with a man it still is about the topic it is still, it still is a fight about this exchange of ideas and who who wins kind of thing and um yeah, I just maybe it's just the topic of like so how do how do you girls resolve something like that? Because I know how well I would resolve with a man, but I think it is a bit of a gray area in terms of how you would resolve this with a woman. Um 
I mean, on a very general note to what you just talked about, I think, I mean, I see a number of issues that go beyond being male or female and the resolution of conflicts. Um, I think that the fact that uh, men see physicality as an option, that is something that is strange. Um, and that, I mean, women are just not, like, don't see that. I mean, of course, we can have a physical fight, but we will not see that uh, as an actual option. We are not socialized to uh, engage in violence to resolve anything, because, to be honest, you don't really resolve things with violence in most cases. Um, and I think... I mean, I don't, I, I just, for me, I just don't picture that violence is something that uh, takes you to resolving something. Like, it just takes you to ending it completely. Um, so I would say how females would resolve that is just by talking. And if there is no middle ground that they can find, then agreeing to disagree. That's, realistically, that is the way uh, it goes, I think. And yeah. Do you think that that's what's happened in your experience? In terms like of whenever, conflict? if you really had a conflict with somebody else, like, and it keeps escalating, does it really just like, is that what happens? So you guys just kind of like part ways? I mean, I think you try to understand each other's points. Um, and if you really cannot, then you just, disengage from the conversation like I would say well I, I it, clearly I can't talk to you right now or clearly I I don't think we're going to find a middle ground and we just stop the conversation That's interesting. I find it interesting you say that you don't understand the physicality whereas like I 100% understand it like I think it, it really is so intrinsic I mean part it, of it. it also it also well I mean I think that's I think it's it's it depends so much on the context. Like if you're talking, sure. like you're talking about two colleagues talking, right? Well, imagine so I that it's. I don't, I, I don't see physicality as an option in in that sense. And usually, when physicality is something that happens between men, it might be in a more sort of informal context, and it is in most cases to prove some sort of masculine masculinity and manhood, which is obviously ridiculous, uh, because you know hitting each other doesn't make you more masculine or more uh, I don't know better than anyone it just makes you stupid in my opinion I understand that unless that's, you're actually I, defending yourself because someone is attacking you no I understand that from, from your side of, of viewpoints you, you see that way like I really understand that but from I think from the man's side of things like it doesn't matter that it's just like in an office setting or whatever like it really is like a competition of ideas and, and you kind of like you know if I have an argument with a colleague and we both really like you know and it keeps escalating it does go into it like it, it does it like it's part of it like it, it's intrinsically part of it whether you understand or not like it, it really one is present in the sense of like the possibility which makes it which pushes you to keep things somewhat civil right 
because you can't suddenly like jump up right you can't be like it's like he asks you something and you say no and then he just like slams you in your fist and that then that is like more like right. he's a psychopath or whatever but it's it's more like as it escalates then that danger becomes more and more present which means that you also try to de-escalate it it serves as a way to de-escalate it actually and then when there's problems when there's real problems is when when that de-escalation uh does not occur or like it's not understood from either side right mm-hmm. which is way when you have sort of like drunk fighting whatever between men or whatever it becomes right. you, you do not uh, being drunk or whatever like makes you not see that risk or not no actually what happens is with alcohol what happens is you don't care of that risk you understand that risk is there we don't give it you don't care um so i think it's interesting because like when you have the situation where you i think for men sometimes when they have a colleague or like a confrontation with with a woman and it goes into that sort of escalation process. Men are very lost because they don't have access to that escalation to de-escalate. So they don't know what to do, I think. Like if if, if the colleague goes a bit crazy and just like starts spreading names or whatever, like if that would, in, a, in the case of a confrontation with another man, that would immediately would result in the blows because that escalation is... It's been jumped really great, right? But mm-hmm. in general, you don't do that with a woman. Like, it's just, it's just it, it doesn't, it's not there, right? Um, yeah. And so I think I do hear from some friends of mine, like, they have issues with some colleagues that are female because whenever there is, like, a really either high stakes or, like, a high escalation conflict, then they're not sure how to proceed. And... I think it's interesting because then with the whole talk, that, and we've had it in previous podcasts about the whole talk about men and women like working together and blah, 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 blah. So I just thought it was like a cool idea to see what you think of it. Like if you have a conflict with a guy in the office or whenever, like mm-hmm. what do you do? Like when? I mean, I, I just, I personally don't see a different a difference how I would resolve a conflict between a man and a woman. Um, I... I think we might quickly jump into, oh, men do this, women do that, which is generally, you know, influenced by the way we've been raised. But I don't think uh, that there is so much. I mean, I I personally don't think that I would resolve a conflict differently between a man and a woman. Okay, it's interesting. In, in, In general terms. If, yeah, yeah. However, I mean, we of course talking in general. If, however, you have a problem uh, in another context, like, and this is a very, you know, real threat for women, for instance, uh, when you're on the street and then you get like, I don't know, comments or catcalled or whatever. Um, most women do not say anything. First of all, because we've been uh, taught and raised to keep our mouth. Um, our mouth shuts and be pretty and you know good girls uh, and not be conflictive right and the other hand because it is a real threat that something might happen to you if you respond to someone making you uncomfortable um so i I think in in that in that sense it is somewhat 
Yeah, and, that, and that's something that is understandable that what you do is avoid conflict. Like in general, men also do that. Like there's, if there's a crazy coming around and kind of like he's looking for a fight, you just stay the fuck away. Like you kind of just like move away as fast as you can. Because, yeah, it's kind of like this aggressive escalation that nobody really wants. Right, but, right. but my point being that in most cases or in general, uh, you guys are socialized to believe that conflicts can be resolved by violence. We're not taught that way. So that's where I see the difference. The, the, fact, that, the fact that your statement, that your question is, how, uh, what do you do when you have an argument between a man and a woman because men do this, like that tells me that this is the way that we've kind of been raised, that, that, that violence is an option for you guys, in a sense. Do you, do you understand what I mean? Yeah, but, it, but not, it's not just because we were raised that way. Like it really is interesting in terms of like whether you disagree with that, like as a, as a, as a male, it really is also just, it is part of like its nature. Like it's just, well, I highly disagree. With well, I, I completely, <laughs> not, uh, yeah, that's fine that you disagree, but, uh, um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like the male experience. It is, it is there. Like you need to like, remember that I'm talking more in the sense of like when you, I mean, you're completely raised in a way of, um, yeah, you, you talk things out. But if mm-hmm. talk things out is not resolved and there is danger, because this, the danger of physicality amongst men is also very real, mm-hmm. then you need to be prepared to to do that as well, kind of thing. Um, and and it's, it's just weird where... It's, it, I'm not saying it's weird. What, what I mean is that is it is present in terms of when there's an argument between men. It's kind of like you you have that sense of I cannot escalate it beyond like a certain point because it will come to blows. And if that happens, then it's like it does. <laughs> the thing is, like, it does actually like solve the conflict <laughs> a lot of times, which is really funny. You say you say that you don't see how it can resolve conflict, but in a way, it kind of does. Which is why you see like a lot of times when um, guys have a tussle, and then the next hour they're having a beer, and then they've resolved it. Like they've managed to, they escalated, resolved it, and then moved on. Which I don't generally see happening with women. They use. I guess other weapons when it comes to that scale up weapons. Uh, I don't know. I think I think it's also maybe a cultural thing. Could be like, for sure. I've been talking a lot about uh, conflict resolution in Norway because mm. there is this general idea, and I think it's quite true overall that uh, in Norwegian culture you avoid conflicts. Like you don't like to this like. Oh wow! Did, did I did anything? I blindly hit the topic? <laughs> well, I guess so. But I mean, it's not about men and women. It's just about like sure. culture, right? Well, it's it's and important too. Exactly, and uh, this is actually something that I've that I've struggled with in a way because, as you know, I'm have a you know I have loud opinions and I like to express them uh, fiercely, and. 
Yeah, I feel that. I mean, for instance, we're we're both from Spain, right? Sure. And we come from a culture that where it is fine to use like uh, to swear to use cursing words all the time. Uh, it's fine to like confront each other and later on like we might you know call each other whatever and then five minutes later we can just like you know be okay with it yeah yeah our culture our culture has a lot of like like little tussle you you kind of like throw little things at each other and exactly and the fact that you raise your voice that you create a conflict is it's just a way to show that you really care about something and that you're very passionate about certain things and i feel that here is that is not a possibility that that's not a thing like you mostly just avoid making anyone uncomfortable um and so there is a lot of things that i care very personally about and i express my anger and opinion about something that i might have experienced or i might have seen or i have an opinion about and in the moment i just do it because it's how i feel and then I can imagine. On, I, I can imagine you terrifying people in Norway, <laughs> <laughs> just like opening well, your mouth and just sort of like a hammer of truth, like coming at them, and just like well, blah, blah, know, blah 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 I, blah blah. I, I, I guess. I guess in 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 a way, maybe. I mean, of course, I'm not saying that all Norwegians do not like to say in like to to have any discussions. That's not that's not the case. But I no. think the vast majority um, will just you know, try to avoid that, to avoid any sort of confrontation. Um, even though in my eyes, it's not real confrontation. It's just a discussion. Exchange like, of ideas. You know, an exchange yeah. of ideas, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I find myself, you know, reflecting and like kind of anxiously thinking about what I did that day and like, oh my God, I should have shut my mouth there. <laughs> like uh, I did this, I did I can, that. I can, like, see that. I can see that actually like having met you personally, like... You do have to to have a bit of a tough skin around you because it is you very pointedly argue very well any sort of thoughts that you have, and regardless of if the other person agrees or disagrees, like you do argue them quite well. So I I see for somebody that doesn't really usually like tries to avoid conflict, this is very like in your face, kind of like thrown at them. Yeah, I guess so. And I mean, I was just talking. I was just talking about uh, about this with some friends the other day because, um, I mean, the topic of feminism. Anyone who knows me is something that I talk about every single day of my life, um, in different shapes and forms. Um, and it's interesting because in in Norway there is this general idea that, and also from like the the outsider's perspective, that is a very equal country that you know there is a lot of equality between men and women that there is like not not like machismo culture and so on and so on and it's and it's true that if you compare it to other other places it is much more equal if you want to call it like that uh, that there is more opportunity for women that all of this but but it's i mean far from being equal i would just say it's less unequal uh than other countries but there is still um a lot of i mean the fact, the simple fact that I have to say that women are more equal, already, you know, shows that there is no real equality because there is still a conversation about it. You, did you just say like women are more equal? What do you mean? More equal to men than in other countries. Right, I see. Um, 
but you know like now that the, the summer is starting and like everyone is you know uh, having a good time and being way more extroverted than they normally are and all these kind of things there is a lot more of this sort of uh, you know commenting in the streets like talking to women and and you know saying things uh, that are not requested and are inappropriate uh, and I've experienced that already a few times and being who I am like I don't I don't pass a thing like I will stop you and talk to you if you're making you uncomfortable if you're making me uncomfortable um, and I have that several times already and you know the summer has just started um, and I also do see that when I when someone makes a uh, inappropriate comment to me when I'm not asking for the attention at all uh, and I go and say like hey dude uh, you're making me uncomfortable or you know whatever they will be like extremely shocked that someone is answering them back. Um, and I think, I mean, if you did that, this in Spain, um, of course, like, I think there would be somehow a little bit of surprise, but I think it's less, uh, they will just kind of have a good time with the fact that you're, you're even like acknowledging them. They'll move straight into like, oh, she's got my attention. So let's carry from here so thing it's more like oh shit <laughs> yeah so here is just like kind of surprising that you even you know like that you would question what they're saying to you um i never thought of like norway 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 norwegian man i guess norwegian norwegian man uh kind of like whistling around <laughs> so woman like goes by well, <laughs> don't know, i don't know why i just never have that in my picture in my in my head because they always seem to kind of like a very stoic and quiet like culture, but mostly I guess they not. are mostly mostly they don't engage yeah. in any in, on anything at all, <laughs> and that goes both ways as well. Like if if you are actually actively looking for a partner or something like that, or for someone to you know go home with, that also applies to the fact that they're very like uh, ineffective in <laughs> communication, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Not trying to offend anyone, but that is this is really a reality. Is, is that your experience a little bit? Like, it's just like you need to do like a massive sign, like "Hey," <laughs> like "Hello," <laughs> pick me up. That's kind of funny. Um, yeah, yeah. I but my know. point was that I think you know it's yeah. also a cultural thing, right? Um, yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, I think culture definitely like exacerbates or diminishes like certain aspects of it, for sure. Um, it's interesting to to see your experience there in Norway in terms of like, because it's it has always been so regarded as I guess all the Nordic countries as this sort of like paramount of I don't know like Western kind of culture or like European culture or I don't know you know they're all in the mm. every kind of like top whatever country about this positive subject they're always like up there right or like you know the least amount of yeah they're always um, leading on everything they're always leading on, on everything right? on happiness on quality of life and all that stuff and i mean now that i've been here for a while i i get to have a little bit of insight on all that yeah. and i think most um i mean many of these uh opinions are based on certain facts that um, are real in a way, right? So 
yeah, quality of life is very high in a country like Norway. Um, there is less inequality than in many other countries that we know. Um, there is overall a very, you know, good work-life balance. Um, there is more wealth for everyone. Um, do you think that's? You know, do you think that's mm-hmm. mostly it? It's, it's just like there's more. There's a much more appropriate like wealth distribution. I think that's definitely a very important factor. I think. Um, I think we often forget how important comfort as in not having to worry about being broke or being on the street or not having enough money to pay your bills can affect your mental health. Um, and overall, your your general well-being, your physical health as well. Like For sure. Everything, right? Yeah, um, it, it does feel like you do need a certain amount of economic wealth to be able to... Well, I mean, I guess this answers the whole thing of like your needs are met, therefore you can like advance and worry about other things than, other than rent or whatever. Like it's been really interesting because like because of Corona, well, not uh, not to bring it back to the topic, but one of the things that obviously happened here was like restaurant closed and uh, we were very diminished. So they gave like a kind of, it's not, it wasn't like a universal basic income, but they just, yeah, I guess it's just like welfare. Uh, for right. anybody who was a entrepreneur in the sectors that in the industries that were affected, so I was like that, and so I um, I received money uh, from the government during those months um, because obviously the companies that I had projects with and um, any sort of form of activity that I had in the sector got completely stopped. And funny enough, it was almost it was either it was a little bit more than what I would normally make um, and it did allow for me to have a comfortable I don't know I'd, basically it, it, it allowed me not to freak the hell out and worry about completely about rent and food and stuff like that and it allowed me to also keep working despite not winning money right from my activity which means that right. now that we're coming out all the stuff that I've been working on I can launch and it creates wealth, which means it also like goes back into the economic uh, regrowth and whatnot. Right. So, yeah. Yeah and, I, yeah. yeah. and I think that's, that's something that you're seeing across different countries that um, countries that have, that already had, you know, a, a, a good level of wealth across uh, different, you know, parts of the population have done better and are doing better than countries that have massive levels of inequality, for instance, like the US, right? Um, Yeah, they're not having a good 2020. Not that everybody's having a lovely one, but my God. Um, Yeah, it's it's funny. I keep having, um, I keep seeing like funny comments about how like some celestial being is having like a bingo party. Uh, for the year and sort of is trying to hit like all the different like possibilities of what could go wrong and we're like halfway through so buckle up guys because there's no reason why I couldn't like have another crisis in in two two months I think that you know 
we will learn about uh, this, you know, in history books in the future. But I think the, the way I see it and the way I think we have to think about it is that the, the pandemic was a catalyst that uh, created, sure. you know, the social unrest uh, everywhere else, right? And that when something collapses, then you get to see uh, things that weren't working before, things that were sort of, you know, holding but we're not working very well and just in general that yeah and then it escalates. escalates yeah yeah like well i mean famously it's like things gonna happen when people cannot like survive so if yeah if people go hungry there you go or people start becoming jobless or whatever then it, it comes unrest because people are like you know desperate and also like have real real serious bad situation happening to them and yeah. then, yeah, so. I, I also, I don't know, how, I mean, what your experience has been in the Netherlands, but I also notice kind of, you know, watching how it's been over here and with, with my sister in the UK, with my family in Spain, hmm. um, that something that I've, I think I've noticed that has made a big difference in how the pandemic has escalated into all the things is also how people has um, like their their confidence and trust in the government and that the government can take care of it. Um, so, for instance, here I have seen, of course, you know, despite certain discrepancies and so on, I've seen a lot of trust in the government, and I think that's something in general that is typical of, of uh, many Scandinavian countries, that most people have, like, general trust in what the government is going to do, and therefore they... they there is not this additional um, sort of worry that that the government is kind of yeah, like the, the situation it does not become politicized, yeah. basically. Ex yeah, exactly. And right. I'm not I'm not saying that there is no political statements in in you of know course. in the middle, and that um, you know there is no like discomfort or disagreement for certain things. But I think in general, people would say, oh, the Norwegian government has acted very well, has acted very fast, um, have done this, have done that. And we are all following what the government is saying. And for anything, it's like, oh, we'll check what the government is saying. Um, and for instance, in Spain, I mean, we briefly talked about this the other day. Um, but I think that has been quite the opposite, right? That people... It's been a um, major issue. Yeah. Yeah. People, be, you know, beyond the pandemic and what has been causing, people are really also extremely uh, um, not trusting the government. They are just basically assuming that the government is not taking care of them, that they're, you know, not caring about all these other, you know, aspects. And, and basically, like, people are just criticizing the government, which, I mean, of course, I understand you should always question what the government is doing. Um, but I think it's been an added... Uh, layer of shit of, of difficulty <laughs> that, yeah right right yeah um, i think this, my, this overall discomfort yeah, yeah i think my my take on that is that i think it really proves then how important really is a government that works much more closely towards the people uh thinking about our own country it's like We've had 
so many years. We well, we once one thing is that we come from a dictatorship, so any sort of like against strong ruling, kind of like there is a backlog. Maybe not in our generation or whatever, but like you know, it's kind of like six for a while, right? That sort of like right. whoa, like let's be careful about this because we already lived through like seventy years of civil conflict heavily in the country. Um, besides that, it's just that if you're completely bombarded by throughout at least my childhood, my teenagers, also my adulthood of like all the political parties or all the system, or whatever, like constantly having problems with um, embezzling. I think this happened a little bit as well in the UK, right? There's constantly like news about this, whatnot. Um, your trust that you can put in your government, it, it clearly shows that, that they're not working for the people they're working for themselves this kind of da- dynamic right so you there is like a breach of t- trust that that happens mm. so when something really important that and and kind of like a pandemic is the actual reason why we need a government most of the time because like you need people to be able to organize them as quickly mm-hmm. as they can large amounts of people right and so i think a good comparison would be when you see the two extremes of of things uh at least in Let's only talk, I guess, in the Western society or world because that's kind of where we grew up and that's where we know more. But, like, mm-hmm. if you see something uh, like how people responded in New Zealand, and I know that New Zealand is a weird case because it's an island, you know, it's a lot more secure. They kind of went fast with it. But they took it seriously, right? And the government did, like, actions. And the whole point of a pandemic and how to resolve it is, like, if you're doing the right thing, you don't... It feels like why the hell are we are we really in a pandemic? Yeah, people would naturally over time start questioning because nothing's happened. Whereas like what we're seeing like today, like today in 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 the US for example, is like how it's uncontrolled and therefore this is, because they didn't trust the government or like it's this it's kinda of like the Spain, but I think even like super escalated, right? Um and so I understand the position of so many people when when you have your government that you do not trust being like trying to actually do an activity which they're designed to do it so something like a like this like a pandemic and they're telling you to do to give up on your civil liberties mm-hmm. um and you'll go like well how could I trust you whereas like in another country where I guess Part of the reason of, of inequality being there, not fixed, but like the inequality measurement yeah, or percentage or whatever, yeah. it being smaller means like, well, I am comfortable. Like, I understand I'm paying a lot of taxes, but, you know, healthcare is taken care of. Like, things like I live a comfortable and unlike a nice, stable safe. life. Yeah. yeah, safe, stable, whatever you want you to call it. Um, and then, yeah, if, like, these guys telling me, like, hey, please stay at home or try to do this or whatnot, like, I am going to pay attention. Hmm. Um, and I think that really does have... I, th- I think that whole politicization of a global situation, which we're going to start hmm. seeing more and more because we're ha- with more people, so it's becoming more globalized, everything. I don't know. I don't know how, how things would go. I think, it, I think it really is in this verge of, like... I don't know. Things go so different, and every year from now on, of like how things have, what things happen. Like it's actually fascinating. Like it's just, 
we have no idea what in six months the world looks like. It's it's kind of fascinating in that sense. It's not that nice to live through it, but it is kind of fascinating. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that that trust in government is very is very important um, to really maintain. And I don't think that the maybe may this is a bit of a tangent, but I don't think the political career like people who go into politics mm-hmm. as a what do you call it? As a virtue? No, as a virtuous convocation. Sorry, guys. Uh, by calling. By calling, then you know it's a really big difference, and and we've really turned in the West politi- politics into this sort of like game that yeah. attracts people that they're not there for the co- for a calling of being political. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 that's actually something that I always. Uh, because, but I mean, in a way, you, yes, you have to to have a calling to um, make society better, and you know, doing that by uh, working the many different uh, systems that form a government, a society, right? Yeah. Like you know, uh, making laws, um, you know, knowing about how economy works, and uh, and a multitude of factors. But I also think that the fact that we, as you said, that we have this political career, I think it's a problem. Like, I sometimes think that we would be better off, maybe not for every role in the government, but for many roles in the government to, like, ask people to step in for a limited amount of time. Um, Like, if you're very well-versed or, you know, knowledgeable about a certain topic, then you can add to that in this... Uh, historical moment, right? Yeah. Um, and I think because you know, I mean, you just have to see. And again, I'm not going to talk about the countries. Maybe I don't. I don't know that much. But you just have to see how ministers um, are chosen in Spain. Like sometimes they go from one ministry to the other. Mm. Um, and for me, that is like it. It makes no sense because yeah, it's the epitome. I think of... you need to have. Like, yeah, you need to understand politics, I get that. But you need to understand the core issues of the ministry you're working for or that you are directing, right? Um, so you need to know about health if you're working for the Ministry of Health. You need to know about education if you are actually doing work for the Ministry of Education. You need to know about all these things um, specifically and have very direct experience uh, and relevant experience in order to do a successful job in that ministry, mm. and that's something that I I will never ever understand. I think I think it might be I I see it sometimes as a bit of a psych, cyclic, uh, like a downward spiral, downward yeah. upwards like uh, phenomena, in terms of like you either and I think maybe this is what. My, my my history on this is, is very loose, but I think this is what happened a little bit in the Nordic country. Maybe you can shed a bit of light on it, where like um, you can you can select people, and I think for I would be very surprised to hear anybody have a different opinion in terms of that if you select somebody for government that they should actually know something. Like if you select a, a minister for the treasury, right. You would just be like, yeah, obviously this guy. I would hope that he knows about economics, you know. Right. And but the I think it is a downward spiral of like um, this ministry gets put into this other position and this other 
guy goes into this office and it's a cycle that just goes down in spiral where competency has nothing to do and then it does be- it does become this thing of like there is a career in politics and it has to do about uh pulling strings and kind of like playing the game and kind of setting yourself up and you know and and it and it has then and then becomes i think a place where people who actually would have a calling to do politics it becomes absolutely impossible for them to to either be attracted or to maintain a position right because there will be an immediate conflict of uh no this is the right thing to do and the other person will be like well yeah but like here pull, let's pull some strings and it's like no you're fucked you need to do it this way or something like that where i think the general population then sees as as causality of this sees as as I don't know, like whatever scandal comes comes around uh, yeah. that tr- gets traced back to something like that. And I think maybe the other way around is where you have somebody coming in and really like pushing for like a cabinet where you have experts in the field and they have nothing to do with politics, but they actually would right. be very straight. I think we saw this a little bit with Fauci somewhat on the US where like, you know, he's not like a political guy. He's just like the head of CDC and he's like, a, and he doesn't, he has to deal with the fact that that he's in the government, but he's main guy in terms of just being a doctor, and he understands what right. like a bacteria and things are. Uh, and then you saw there the conflict of like the political game world and people who actually have no interest in playing that game. And uh, I think maybe that's is that kind of what more or less loosely what maybe happened in the Nordic countries in terms of like, like I don't understand how it happened that now Nordic countries are on the top list of, of all this stuff. Like I think there's uh, many different things, but like what is like a core that you could see from the inside of being like, oh, this is probably why. To they're... be honest, yeah, to be honest, I don't know that much about sure. politics here to, to actually. But um, it's the random anything. podcast, baby. Like, <laughs> just throw your opinion out and whatever. Right. Uh, I mean, I think I, there's, a still, there's still a lot that I uh, want to learn about uh, Scandinavian country, countries in that respect because they are, it, it, they are you know, their own thing. Um, True. And I think in a way they've, they kept themselves separately from let's say, the rest of Europe, um, precisely because they've always worked so closely together. Uh, culture is very much similar in, in all these countries. The language is mm. very similar as well. So there is like, there is kind of like an intri- intrinsic understanding of what they are and what they are for. Um, but I also think, and sometimes we don't really think about this, but the fact that they are also very uh, um, not highly populated, so the, 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 pop, the population is so low in, in these countries, it kind of helps to keep everything less messy, if that makes any sense. Like, I think that sometimes... I think it makes sense also having different, like one singular culture, like it allows kind of people to push in one specific way. And it could have yeah. been like, in a not very healthy direction or whatever, but maybe because they did choose like a healthy direction or they have like a culture backlog where 
it's pushed that way. As kind of worldwide, we have access to better technology and kind of like things like that, then it goes into more, it starts escalating. Uh, which is interesting to see, like, how perhaps, I don't know, like, is it, is multicultural, multicultural, multi, oh my god. Multiculturalism. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it affecting a lot the society there? Like, do you see, like, a disparing of, like, I don't know. Like, I see it in the Netherlands sometimes about, like, mm-hmm. and people who have mixed, uh, blood and mixed races like they I've had conversations with them where they definitely you know suburb Holland is for them a bit sort of like they have to have like very dumb conversations because of right. race and multicultural th- stuff like that that's, that's a very interesting question I think it's a very like a lot less here than it is in the Netherlands I think and I've said this many times as much as I love the Netherlands um, I th- I think the average uh, Dutch person is quite uh, clueless about anything that is not typically like white Dutch. Uh, and I also had many of my friends were, you know, uh, mixed race or they, you know, they were from uh, old colonies or whatever, and their experience in the country is absolutely different from the average, you know, white Dutch person. Uh, Here, I think that, well, there's still a lot to do. They are overall more peaceful about the whole thing. I think think it it is whatever, um, you know, forms of racism that you can see is not very strong I think in general Mm. Um, for instance just and I know I'm not the best person to give this example because for the most part I'm a you know white European woman however in the Netherlands I've been categorized as non-white in many different occasions uh, because southern Europeans are not we're olive Europeans yeah, or whatever, but like, <laughs> you know, it's just not, it's not just about the color of our skin, it's about many other things, right? And I haven't really seen that here that much. Like, I don't think, I've, I haven't met one person that would not, like, call me white. Um, again, it's ridiculous that I have to be talking about this. <laughs> However, um, it is true that in a way, I mean, there is still segregation, right? Uh, you see that in Oslo. You see that Western Oslo is, you know, a lot wealthier and, and you know, wider as well and all this kind of stuff. And the East is where most immigrants live. Um, so, of course, that you still see that. But I think, and I also have um, Norwegian friends here who have, you know, different cultural backgrounds and they, you know, they... Uh, Either their parents or their grandparents were from somewhere else. Mostly their parents, because immigration is quite new, I think, here. Um, yeah, I wonder, course, I wonder how know, much of it is just economic in, in so many ways, right? I think it's right. just so interesting. I mean, Norway wasn't a, a, a rich country until they found the oil, right? Yeah. So immigration was not a thing until fairly recently. Um, mm. So, of course, you know, you do see... Um, these kind of discrepancies, but I think 
I think this sort of trying to keep everyone equal and trying, you know, to to make sure that everyone is at the same level, uh, it is a little bit more pronounced here. Um, but yeah, there is of course, you know, a little bit some things that that are harder to navigate. I also have to say that the fact that Norway is a country without a colonial past makes a huge difference um, in how they treat other countries, uh, how they see immigration, and so on and so on, uh, which is not the case for you know the Netherlands or Spain or most, or most European countries. countries. Exactly. I was thinking, I was thinking like, oh yeah, Norway. Norway, no, it was a colony. Colonist. No, Norway. Norway, if something was a colony of Denmark and Sweden. Yeah, yeah, pretty uh, much. Right. So they've always been under the power of each of those, right? Uh, um, they missed out on the good times. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think that that makes a, a little bit of a difference. Uh, however, I also have to say that they do have a long way to go, and I'm. Uh, I'm that's that's something that I'm more exposed to now because I'm gotten myself into university politics and uh, and my main point is actually you know uh, addressing how like the, the bridge between uh, internationals and traditionally you know Norwegian scholars and that the fact that we are not we don't have exactly the same opportunities because most internationals don't speak the language yet. <laughs> Uh, or I, f- I, f- I find it hilarious that you're in, involved now in university politics. Good lord, they have no idea what the hell they they let themselves. <laughs> well, don't say it too loud. In <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I think in the most positive way. But like, man, you, you're like a heavyweight to contend with. Like, yeah, <laughs> like it's a good compliment. Take it as as such. Um. Uh, to kind of move away from geopolitics and stuff like that, like, uh, is there anything you've been doing lately that that I don't know you having fun with? Like anything you've been up to? Uh, besides enjoying the Norwegian summer and so on. I mean, yeah. I you know I do like a thousand things, right? Yeah, so, you do. You <laughs> I do run, so I run this much. Book club um, that is very successful. Yeah, t- um, tell, tell the guys what you're up what you're up to nowadays. Yeah, you list it off. <laughs> Well, actually, so I'm I'm part of this uh, international women's group that is called Gorgon International or GTI, um, and I was actually actually just before we we called, uh, I was watching a video of the founder of this group, who mm-hmm. is a Scottish woman who lives in Mallorca now, and she's very successfully running this network. Um, and because she's actually, there was a video about Pride Week, uh, and she's actually the daughter of the first lesbian couple that got married in the UK. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. But anyway, so there is this group that exists in, I don't know how many cities all over the world, but in most, actually in, in many, many countries, uh, all over the world. And within those communities for each city, there is also sub communities doing, something specific within the group. So uh, a friend of I um, created this book club uh, and we've been running it since September and it's been really great. And because of everything that is happening in the world, we thought that it was our responsibility to have a session um, on the topic of race and violence and silence. Um, oh, that's a good topic. I think the silence is, is the big one. 
Yeah, it's great. And yeah, we got a lot of new members in the last week uh, and a bunch of new people showed up, which was fantastic. Um, so we decided normally we would choose a book and we would all read it and then we would discuss it, but we chose to give the freedom uh, everyone to just choose whatever they want to read about this topic in whatever shape or form uh, uh, it would be addressed and perhaps focusing on that topic in their own cultures and in their own countries. Uh, and I have to say it was, it was a total success. Uh, it, it, everyone chose something interesting and different and allowed us to, you know, touch upon topics that you might not be able to access because, you know, realistically also we can't read all these books. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, and actually for me, it was also a great uh, experience because I don't know if I told you, but I've been, um, I've been writing, I've been reading a lot uh, about this author, this Basque author, uh, whose name is Edurne Portela. Okay. Uh, and she's a fantastic author. She has written a number of novels, uh, uh, and she is also an academic whose topic is like all around violence uh, in societies. And uh, one of the things that she writes about is actually the political conflict in uh, the Basque country uh, throughout, you know, the last few decades. Uh, and this book was precisely about that, about how, um, you know, ETA, for those of you who don't know this terrorist organization uh, that existed for many decades in the Basque country, um, how, you know, they acted on violence and how people had to kind of put up with it, whether they were pro-independence or, you know, in whatever way they felt because they had to kind of just keep quiet uh, yeah. about it. So, yeah, that was a very interesting uh, thing for me to read about within this topic as well. Cool. That's Send great. me that book. That's that's right up my alley. I mean, it's an around yeah. Basque. So. Yeah. And it's really weird because, like, I am, like, the next generation that had to, like, when that kind of got, started to get resolved. But I don't remember, like, stories of my parents or my grandmother, like, when the bombings were going on and whatever. Right, really, and like, I, stuff. you know, we were talking about this because there was another Spanish girl from Andalucía, and uh, and yeah, she mentioned some things that, like now, when she did uh, mention them, I kind of remember, like yeah, you know, when we were growing up, we were told like you couldn't go to the Basque country because, and you had to like check your car whether there would be a bomb or something like that, like all these things that it, like it sounds crazy, but we actually grew up I, with those. Yeah, uh, I had I had a teacher in my uni uh, who, um, she's very very uh, amazing kind of business-minded woman who right. taught me, like, well, based business kind of and, and, and stuff. And uh, she has a very Basque name. And she went to university in Madrid. And people, like, called the police on her when she moved into the building block of apartments because she had such a Basque name that they were, like, worried that she was a terrorist or something like that. I she had to deal with, like... What are you talking about? <laughs> this is like young, like twenty-year-old woman, like just going to uni and having to deal with this kind of stuff. That's but it's crazy. a very real thing with anything. That's right? crazy. I, th I think we should actually dedicate one episode to just this. Um, I think that's cool. Send me the book. I think I'll I'll, yeah, I'll give it a read, and then we can, yeah. we can talk about that because I think it's it's really interesting to, to talk a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, that sounds good. Yeah, I will. Um, okay. But yeah, I think we've rumbled. 
Enough. Enough. <laughs> we need to take out the rust. Right. And uh, um, guys, we are trying to kind of get things back into the rhythm. Uh, to be honest, we both wanted to be doing this for, for a while, but it's just like things got a little bit in the way. Like, uh, also, some technicalities. Yeah. And um, yeah, we we're gonna try our best to like keep it keep it coming. And looking forward to see you next time. Exactly. Okay. Bye bye. Bye.